Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Efraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom, and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today, I have the great honor of interviewing Holly Stewart, who is a mother and educational specialist at Team Foldscope, STEM and design teacher, and Teach Better ambassador from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Holly Stewart, who are you? Hello and good morning. Well, good morning. that's a I love that first question that who are you, right? Yes. So, like you said, my name is Holly Stewart. I am a wife. I am a mother. Um, I'm an educator. Um, I might not be in the classroom currently, but I am still very much an educator and I'm a scientist. So, and I love sharing um, you know, what I've learned about science with the world. And I also love learning about science from other people too, so. Cool, so I have to ask you, uh, where does this love for science comes from? Um, just, I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> and that's really the basis of what a scientist has to do. Um, they've got to ask questions got to be observant, look at the world around you and just try and figure out how it all works. You know, I mean, that's really, that's the basis for it. And I was very fortunate when I was in school, it didn't happen until much later than, um, you know, than a lot of people did. But when I was in 11th grade, I had a science teacher, he's my chemistry teacher, Mr. Anthony. Um, and he is Really, I'd say he's probably the first teacher that made me feel like I could be a scientist and that made me feel like I actually understood the way that science worked. Because up until that point, I hadn't felt that way at all. Um, science was not going to be something that I was going to be looking into, you know, as a future career or anything. But taking that class with him totally changed my whole mindset. And what made that teacher special? Um, he was, he, I think he was the first person that didn't just look at the content in a box. Um, it wasn't just, okay, we're going to memorize the elements on the periodic table. We're going to memorize all their properties. Here's your equations. And, you know, it wasn't like that. He is the first one who, first of all, made it fun. He was a very energetic teacher. He really got to know us as his students. Um, and, you know, just having that relationship, I think, with him was probably what caused me to get more into the content and realizing that this is really cool, you know, because up until that point, you know, I had just kind of seen science as something that a bunch of, you know, dead guys from a long time ago had done and everything was already done and it was in a textbook and you read about it. He actually let us experience it, which was huge. And that was a game changer. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the Mr. Anthony's of the world. Yes. So for the listeners of the show, can you walk us through your professional trajectory up to this point? Yeah, so I'm one of those that I kind of had that windy road leading to the world of education. Um, as I said, I, I when I, you know, by the time I finished high school, after I had Mr. Anthony for that chemistry class, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be a chemist. And that's what I did. So my degree is actually in, I have a bachelor's of science in chemistry 
and I have a master's in physical inorganic chemistry. So I just, I was all in on the chemistry side of things. Um, and then, you know, I worked in industry for, for a little bit. And then once I had kids, I, you know, between my husband and I, we decided I would stay home um, with the kids and everything. And then when they got older and they started go, getting into school and I had these blocks of time, I kind of was able to sit back and say, hmm, what do I want to be when I grow up? Do I want to go back? into, you know, into a lab and things like that? Or do I want to pursue something else? And honestly, I think that having children kind of changes the way you look at the world. And I started paying more attention to all of these environmental issues that we're going through right now. And, you know, that really, that grabbed my, you know, came to the forefront of my mind. And I said, I think I need to pursue something like this. So I went back to school and I got another degree because I'm a perpetual student. I, I'm like, I am all about, if I, my job could be just <laughs> getting <school>. degrees. <laughs> I, I wish I could it. do too. If I win the lottery, I will go back and do a double PhD in something. <laughs> Seriously, I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, I went back to school and I got another degree. This time um, I got a degree in environmental studies. Um, and I got a minor in Spanish because that was another love of mine was science and I love languages. Um, I just think I love the rhythm of the language and, you know, being able to communicate with, uh, you know, a, another segment of the population. It just it it just really meant a lot to me. So I went back to school for those um, and I noticed that all of the, the like the research projects and things that I was doing, they all had an educational bent to them. There was that, you know, I, just showing the importance of education. And so I was like, all right, the signs are there. I need to start looking at something in that direction. Um, so I actually started working in an elementary school. Um, I was, I had like a bunch of, a bunch of things going on at the same time, but I was working in an elementary school. Um, and it was really funny because the principal, when we, you know, sat down for the interview, he said he wanted me to teach Spanish. And I was like, you know, that's great, but I'm not really a Spanish teacher. I'm a scientist. And so it was wonderful that his willingness to work with me because he said, well, how about we do this? You can be in the uh, related arts rotation for this elementary school. You'll see every, you know, every kid in the school once a week, they'll, their class will come to you and I'll teach science, but I will only speak Spanish while teaching the science class. So it was an immersion, um, it was a language immersion elementary school. And For I was science, like, okay, let's, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, well, let's give this a go. And it was great. I loved it. I had such a good time. Um, you know, these kids were, they had, it was really funny because not everyone who was in this elementary school was part of the language immersion program. But the principal was so passionate about it. He wanted everyone there to experience that, you know, that that second language. Um, and so I had kids that were coming to my classroom that had no idea what I was saying to them, but they loved coming to the classroom because they got to do science. They knew that when they came to Senora Stewart's classroom, they were going to get their hands on stuff. They were going to be able to use the science equipment and it was going to be messy, um, but we were going to have a lot of fun. So I started off doing that. It was great. I loved it. And at the same time that I was doing that, I was also working um, for the, uh, I did a lot of outdoor science education. 
So kids would come to like some of the parks around our area for field trips. So there my classroom was, we were going through a walk, walk through the woods. We were going down to the river to, you know, look at all the critters that live in the water, you know, just all these fun experiences. Um, but I couldn't continue on with the elementary school because the state of South Carolina said I was not because I didn't have an elementary education background that I couldn't teach elementary school. I could only teach middle and high school. So I had to say goodbye to them. And I went to the uh, I went to the middle school and that's where I totally fell in love with teaching eighth grade science. Um, I did not think, you know, because a lot of people when they hear middle school, they kind of give you that kind of ah! face, you know? As a middle school principal, I can attest to that. <laughs> yes, yes, so you know, and you do, you have to have a certain, you have to have a certain kind of personality to be yeah. able to work with, uh, you know, middle school students, but I loved it, and especially eighth grade, because that was kind of like, I felt like that was my last chance to get them before they went off to high school, you know, and it's like a whole different world when you're in high school, and they're at that age where they're trying to act grown up, but they're also still little kids. They're babies. So, yeah, so you get that fun balance with them. But um, yeah, once I started at the middle school, I kind of, I just fell in love with that. Um, I was there at that middle school for six years. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it, I, I love working with those kids. They were a lot of fun. So kind of my windy road that led me to um, teaching in, uh, teaching it with, with middle school students. Um, and then at the end of last year, at the end of, uh, so May of 2022, I did leave the classroom and I started working for Foldscope Instruments. And that's where I am now as the education specialist there. May 22. Okay, so let me ask you a couple of uh, questions. Um, what is the, the story that you remember the most about taking those children uh, to see the wild and learn and stuff like that? What can you share with us? Just that that wow factor that they have, you know, because um, well, the, one of the funny things that I would do when we would start walking through the, you know, start walking through the woods is I would grab a stick, um, you know, like a pretty big stick. And the kids were always like, what are you? What are you getting the stick for? And I was like, well, you know, it's for the bears, you know. And they were like, what? And I, just, I said, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's so that we, you know, I can knock down spider webs so that they don't, you know, get. <laughs> but, you know, just getting the kids to have fun in the outdoors because for a lot of them, um, this was like their first experience, you know, being able to have fun in nature. And I wanted to make sure that it was a good one for them, that it was memorable, um, you know, all along the trail. You can, once, you, once you're familiar with trails, you kind of get used to what kind of animals you can expect to see. Even if you don't see them, like the signs of the animals that had been there. So pointing out mole tracks, you know, like the mole paths that are underground that shows the dirt kind of lifted up from where they're digging their tunnels, um, being able to show them in action those processes that they're learning about in school, weathering erosion and deposition. You know, I was able to show them river rocks that were out on a dried trail in the middle of the woods. And I'm like, how did rocks that are supposed to be in the water get all the way up here? And then to help them realize it's because at one time the water used to be up there and now it's down there. And so they're actually able to see these concepts and that just, and just, it's fun to be outside, you know, honestly, that's, the big thing 
It is, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And let me ask you, uh, where did you learn Spanish? Um, it was in, I started in eighth grade. So in our, in the school district where I was, I grew up in Pennsylvania, you could start learning a language in eighth grade. Okay. And so I was like, oh, this will be cool. I'll try, you know, I'll try Spanish. And I had, and this was very unusual at the time because I had a teacher who she did not speak a lick of English in the classroom from day one. There was no English at all. And I remember walking into this classroom and she played, this was back now, you know, I'm showing my age here. This was back when we had film strips. <laughs> and we watched this film show. She played it for us. I remember it was like the first day and I'm thinking, I'm in way over my head. How can I get out of this class? But she played this film strip and this is just showing you the power of these things that can come back to you. It was a group of friends. There were four of them. Ana, Maria, Paco, y Alfonso, right? So they were these four friends. And the first thing was, este es Paco, Paco es estudiante, este es Alfonso, Alfonso es estudiante también. This was eighth grade and I still remember. remember. <laughs> but I just, I absolutely adored Senora Johnson. She was, um, she was such a great teacher. She took that and she's, I mean, she knew, she saw all of us with our eyes, you know, the size of plates, like, what are we doing? And she was able to make it fun. She was able to make it so that we didn't feel, you know, like less than if we said the wrong word or conjugated a verb incorrectly. She encouraged us. And I just, I loved the language starting right there. And I just, you know, kept going with it ever since. <laughs> wow, the difference that a good teacher makes. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing that. And then um, the last follow up question, what advice do you have for those that leave the classroom to work for an educational company? Yeah, so for me, honestly, the decision was, it was a little bit easier for me than I think people who are going to a completely different um, type of career because I didn't have to change my core values and my mission, which is when I think about what I wanted in my classroom for my students, it was for them to be able to do science. I wanted them to be able to have experiences. I wanted them to be able to use the equipment, get familiar with it and feel comfortable with it. And I knew that, um, you know, one of the big problems that, uh, especially for science teachers is the cost of the science equipment. It is, you know, it's expensive. And, you know, having all the supplies for labs and things like that. And I didn't want that to be a barrier to my students being able to have those great experiences. Um, so I did a lot that was, you know, a lot that was out of my own pocket to, you know, try and support the needs of my students. Um, and when I transitioned to Foldscope Instruments, their mission is all about breaking down barriers to access to science equipment and therefore scientific knowledge. Um, so being able to have that like-minded, that mindset the same between where I was and where I am now, it made that transition easier. So I would say for teachers who are looking or educators that are looking to make some sort of transition, make sure that you're still sticking true to your core values. Um, because I'm still an educator. Like I said, even though I'm not in a classroom, I'm still working to help. I'm working with teachers to help them learn how to, you know, incorporate these tools into their classroom so that we can normalize 
the use of science equipment in the classroom. It shouldn't yes. be something that's like this hands-off, scary, intimidating thing. And working with people who have that same mindset, even though they're not in the classroom either, it's it's made it a wonderful transition for me. Amen. And, and talking about uh, people of the same mindset, uh, how do you connect to teach better? And you're an ambassador. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually, you know, in yeah, honor of this is where we met was at the yes. Teach Better conference. So I had to wear my Teach Better hoodie today. Um, but yeah, for uh, when I I was in I'm trying to think what it was 20 the 2019 school year. I had a class that I, I could not reach this one class. I didn't know what to do. I was lost. I was I was really losing my my uh, my passion for, you know, for education because I just thought maybe I'm just not cut out for this because I can't do this. I can't reach them. Um, and I had a colleague that said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to follow this group that I've heard of that I'm kind of, you know, she was kind of like looking into them and everything. She said, I want you to follow this group on Facebook. And she gave me the book, Teach Better. And she said, and I want you to read this book. And it was so funny because I was, you know, she's a, she's a really good friend of mine. And I just looked at her, I'm like, I just told you that I am done. I'm so burnt out, I'm over this. And you're wanting me to read a book now. <laughs> What part of me looks like I have time to read a book? But I did, and it was it was the first time that I felt that there was an actual strategy that I could use in the classroom that, again, aligned with what I was trying to do with my students. So not just the science teaching, but the the way to reach students, because I didn't want people to feel like just because, you know, we have a lot of people at different reading levels and, you know, the languages and everything like that that come into our classrooms but that shouldn't hold them back from not being able to access the science. Um, so I was, and that's what I was really struggling with with this one class. And I found the grid method after reading the book and I completely flipped my classroom. I said, all right, this is it. We're going, we're going in 100%. I'm gonna have a grid classroom. And I'm gonna just say this, I did my first grid in February of 2020. The kids loved it. They, I mean, it was like, I, my, when, when I had people come to see my classroom, they couldn't believe that this was the same group of kids. I had, you know, groups that were over in one side doing a lab, another group that was working on, you know, some foldables, another group that was working on vocabulary. And it was all about the same content. They were all accessing it at the way that they needed to. And I had like the behavior issues gone. And it was, I mean, it was incredible, the change that happened. But of course, that was one grid. And then we all know what happened in March of 2020. We Boom. all got sent home. Yeah. Yeah. But it was fantastic, though, because, you know, the whole everyone, and we were, you know, the same as schools everywhere, the whole grace before grades and all that kind of stuff. And just, I just wanted my kids to constantly keep doing some science while they were at home. So what I did then was I just said, okay, here's your next grid. They were all familiar with it. And we were like, Monday, do box 1A. Tuesday, do box 1B. And it was perfect. I had really not many issues with that transition to home. I mean, obviously it slowed down the pace of the learning overall, but everyone was still able to access the content. So 
I just, like I said, I fell in love with the Teach Better team because they gave me a strategy that I could yes. use. But then I started watching all those daily drop-ins that they were doing um, when, when the pandemic first started. And I was like, wow, these guys are not just like incredible educators with good strategies that we can use. They're actually really nice people, you know? And I started interacting with them and, you know, I've just been, and they just, you know, brought me into the family, you know, from the get-go. And it was last year that I applied to be an ambassador. And I've, I've loved all the, you know, all the opportunities that it's given to help me to amplify my voice. Um, and also to be able to reach out and connect with educators that I wouldn't have been able to before this to help them amplify their voices and, you know, and meeting incredible people like you. I mean, it's just, it's been such a, I mean, it's been such a wonderful journey to be on. And I just, I've, I've loved it ever since. I also have been blogging with them. So I have a blog series called Science Better. Because again, I'm all about, let's improve yeah. our science education. So yeah, and so yeah, so that's, that's where I was. And then I went to the conference, got to meet incredible people. I mean, we met on that very first, uh, the networking, the, first day, event, yeah. the very Absolutely. first day. So yeah. I was so nervous. Uh, I was like, oh my goodness, everybody's gonna say, get out of here. <laughs> Uh, so now that we're talking about Teach Better, let's give them a huge praise. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, Holly, so like in Back to the Future, if you could go back to any position you have held in the past, what is one or two things you will tell yourself? Honestly, I would say that to to go with my gut um, because everything that I did in the classroom, it was what I knew was right for my students at that time. And you know, it changes. It changes from your core one to your core four class at the end of the day, right? But I was, I was constantly in the beginning questioning myself. Should I really do this? Nobody else at the school is doing this. You know, I haven't seen it, you know, being promoted by the district or anything like that. Is this really the right thing to do? And I would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I think I wasted a lot of time and energy on those doubts, um, especially when I started seeing when I did, you know, toward the end of my years in the classroom, when I really did start saying, okay, you know what? I know that this is not what other people are doing, but this is what's right and we're gonna go ahead and do it. My kids would blossom under that kind of um, leadership in the classroom. And so that's what I would, would really be the big thing. You're the professional in the classroom. You know what you are doing. You know your students. I mean, you're with them 180 days of the year you know what's right for them and you know what they need. So that's what you need to do. So stop worrying about all of the, you know, extras and all the nonsense and the noise that's outside there and really just focus on what you know is right for your students. Beautiful advice. Thank you so much. Uh, as you know, uh, reading books is such a privilege. Uh, can you share with us one fiction book and one nonfiction book that you cherish the most and why? Okay, so this is hard because I read a lot. I've got, you know, huge bookshelf. I use the app Goodreads. I don't know if you've heard Ooh, of it. Yeah, yes, of course. Okay, 
And so my like want to read list is gymungous <laughs> and I keep adding more to it. But I, um, you know, as far as if I were to say one nonfiction, when I read nonfiction, I still want to be, I still want to be challenged and I want to, you know, be like constantly thinking and what's going to happen and how does this tie into what happened earlier and all that kind of stuff and trying to, I'm that person who tries to figure out how it's going to end and how it's all going to get tied up with a nice neat bow at the end. Um, but so I, I think that one of my favorite nonfiction writers, her name is Kate Morton. Um, she writes these books that she go like, they're like multiple generation books. So you could be reading one chapter is about current times and another chapter is a hundred years prior. And, but she, and she weaves it all together. And there's always this element of, but what about that? Like, there's always that one question that you have that she is somehow able to just on that last page, because she doesn't she doesn't tell you early on and then give you a chapter of, and everybody lived happily ever after. It's very much like a, you are on the edge of your seat until the very end. And I, so I love all of her books. So Kate Morton is my nonfiction go-to and I, and I'm sorry, I cannot pick just one. It's okay. All of them are so good. The series of Kate Morton. Yes, yes. Um, and as far as uh, nonfiction goes, I've always been, I, I really like reading about um, the history of science. So learning about scientists, not just based on what they discover, but learning about their lives and, you know, what they did and how, you know, their circumstances influenced them. Um, and one of my favorites is E.O. Wilson. I don't know if you're familiar with him, no. but he is... Um, So he got his start, he was very interested as a little kid in the outdoors, but he was he thought that ants were fascinating. And he just, you know, he studied ants and that's really what he's known for because he's one of the first ones who understood or started to break down the social structure of insects. You know, because wow. we know that like bees and, and ants that they have, there's like a hierarchy and yeah. you know, the way that their hives and nests are, are organized and everything. And he, his writing though, he doesn't just sit there and tell you about all the different, you know, species that there are. He's a storyteller. And he has some amazing books. One of the ones that I kind of, I had it sitting out like in my classroom. I had, you know, books that kids could take from my room, you know, if they wanted to borrow them or read them during, you know, during class when they got their work done. And it was called Letters to a Young Scientist. And he wrote just basically, it was his experiences that he had and how he would encourage young people today to go out and find those same sorts of experiences that spoke to them yeah. because you never know what that's going to lead to in your future. So yeah, he's an amazing writer. So I highly recommend any of his books as well. Beautiful. Thank you for those recommendations. It's so awesome when someone brings science alive uh, with stories. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, let me ask you a broad question. Who do you learn from? Honestly, everyone that I come into contact with, you can learn from. Um, I mean, I've, I've learned from my fellow educators, the you know other teachers that were either in my building or district, um, learning from everyone that I've been able to work with on the Teach Better team. Um, I learned from my students 
every day. And it was, and I was, I was the first person in the room when something would be asked and I'd be like, I don't know, can somebody else in here help me? And you know, you constantly, the, the opportunity for them to be able to jump in and be a leader and be able to be a problem solver for their teacher. And I was encouraging that because I was like, if I don't know how to do it, I need someone to help me learn. Um, I had uh, I, I had an intern um, in my classroom and she, I learned so, so much from her in terms of, you know, her ability to, she's like the, kind of reminds me of Livia Chan, how she has okay. that ability to build those relationships with people. Um, she was very genuine, very open. We, I, I swear that we were very much these like-minded souls, you know, <laughs> kind of brought her in as my daughter, my pseudo daughter, you know. But um, yeah, I think that everyone that, that we come into contact with, we have the opportunity to learn something from them. Um, and if you go into relationships with that kind of a mindset, both of you are going to grow from the experience. So. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Holly, um, who is or who are your biggest influences? Oh, goodness. I honestly, and I'm, I'm saying this as two of my two of my kids are in the kitchen right now. They're Hi, they're guys. <laughs> they're, both, they're both waving from the kitchen. Just so good, you. good, good, good. Um, but honestly, I, my children, I learn a lot from my kids. Um, I, my husband and I constantly look at each other like, how could we have had three such very different children, that very different personalities, but each one of them, I'm able to, through any interaction that I have, I'm able to learn something from them. Um, you know, my oldest, she is, um, she always jokes and says that she's not a scientist. She's um, her her degree that she's going to be getting. She's going to be graduating this December, so very wow, soon. Um, she's yes, she's getting a degree in journalism. Mm -hmm. With um, so she's she's doing kind of she's a dual major, so journalism and sustainable development. Wow, cool. And and her her minor is French, so she mm. decided she wanted she loves the languages too, but she didn't want to do Spanish like mom. So, <laughs> She went the French route, but um, but the way that she is able to, her goal is to be able to talk about environmental issues and talk about it in a way that makes sense to the public. And that is 100% what we need more of in the yes. science world. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of important information that's out there, but it's kept way up here at this level that, you know, the public normally, you know, just wouldn't be able to access. And so, you know, even though she says she's not a scientist, yes, she is. She um, is. She's writing about it, and and her words are beautiful. The way that she is able to take these, um, these concepts and these ideas, and put them on paper, I think it's amazing. And so, I've actually learned a lot from her for like my blog writing that I've been doing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you say that, it reminded me of uh, Daniel Goldman, who was a journalist, and he took all the research of emotional intelligence and made it popular, right? Because then mm -hmm. he made it in a way that everybody could read and understand it. So uh, she's going yeah. the, on the right route. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And then my middle daughter, the one who's the one who's home right now, she came home for, for Halloween. So she's uh, she her degree is and I'm going to get this wrong. Bio. Agricultural technology. What is it? Agricultural biotechnology. I always mix up all the terms, but um, she is very much a. She's 
just loves learning and she loves learning about the science of things and how it works. And so I'm always inspired by her and especially with the work that I'm doing now, because with, um, you know, the work that I'm doing with Foldscope, I'm doing a lot with microscopes and microbiology. And I, I told you my degree is in chemistry. I dealt with stuff that was not alive. <laughs> I am learning a ton from her. Beautiful. So let me yeah. ask you then, um, for you, what does it mean to be a mother? Everything. Um, I, honestly, it, it really does. It is a way to, I think, I, and I don't know who has said this before, but it's, you know, it's the way that you actually have your heart outside of your body. Um, I look at my three kids and I am just, like I said, I am so inspired by them and all that they are able to do. Um, you know, they, the goal of being a parent is to raise your kids so that by the time it's time for them to go out on your on their own, you don't have to worry about them every single day. Not that I don't, but you you understand. It's you yes, know that yes. you have gotten them ready. Um, and I'm already even with you know even with my son, he's a sophomore in high school. I still I see he is definitely getting there. He is. He's got that independence that I want. You know, I want my kids to have. Um, he's he's following his own path. He doesn't necessarily feel like he needs to follow what everybody else is doing. And I mean, that's very inspiring to know that um, hopefully there's been something that I've done to plant that seed to get, For you sure. know, to get that kind of a response. But yeah, so it, that's really, that's being a parent is, it's one of the most important jobs that's out there. Absolutely. Amen. So let's talk about uh, the second part of our uh, podcast. It's about productivity. So as you know, being successful includes being on top of our productivity. But this means different things for different people. What does it mean to you and how do you get things done? I am a paper and pencil person. So I know that a lot of people use the you know digital calendars and to-do lists and everything. I tried that for, I had one year where I said, okay, you know, because my husband was like, just try it. Because he's very much a, you know, everything is digital and, and all that. He uses this Google calendar and everything. And he was like, you know, you got your phone, you got your iPad, everything is right there. Why do you need to write it down? And so I was like, all right, I'll try it. That was probably one of the worst years really? ever. <laughs> that was a huge mistake for me. And I could not wait to go back to get my, my planner where I've got, you know, I, I'm very much, and I'll, I'll hold this up for you to see because I don't go, I really feel like I don't go anywhere without it. But I've got one of those really large planners and I'm color coded. So each person in the family has a different color. Ooh. So I can just kind of glance at it and I know nice. I don't have to write the name. I just know, okay, this is this color. It has to do with my son. This is this color. It has to do with my daughter. I, I know exactly where everything is, but yes, paper, pencil, I have to write it all down. Um, and I know that there are some people out there that are like, just write down, you know, on your list, you should only have three things. That's it. Just write down three things. And that's what you do that day. No, I write down absolutely everything I have to do yeah. because there is, there's something about that, making that little check mark when you yeah. get it. <laughs> that so, yeah, dopamine I would think, going through your brain. Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. Yes. So I have to write everything down. And the other thing that I've, I've noticed is that I am a, I'm a morning person. 
So my highest level of like energy and everything like that is definitely in the morning. So that's when I, you know, that's when I get up and I work out. That's when I start making my lists and everything. So that when my work day starts, I've got it all, I've got it all planned out and I know what I need to do and I know I'll be good, so. Beautiful, tell us about uh, a little bit about your workout routine. Oh yeah, so I am, um, I'm a runner. That's that's really my go-to thing, and which was great because they had the the run at the Teach Better conference. I was yes. so happy that you showed up for that. Yes. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I love running. Um, I also, I do, I do weightlifting and boxing. I have like, oh, we have yeah. a, um, a bag in the garage and I put on my boxing gloves once a week. And it is, it is so great. I don't know what it is about that as a, as a workout that just, It just makes me feel really strong, you know? Um, I'm sure I don't look very intimidating, but I feel strong when I do it. <laughs> Everybody has a dragon inside. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But awesome. yeah, anything that gets me outside, I love hiking. Um, you know, our family does a lot of, we do a lot of hiking. We've done vacations where we've gone to Colorado, we're climbing mountains and stuff like that. So yeah, it's anything that gets me moving really is what Beautiful. I like. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, those uh, mindful activities. Uh, in terms of uh, your email and your kind of stuff, uh, uh, what advice do you have? So I am happy to connect with people. Um, my Twitter and Instagram handles are Holly A. Stewart, and we are the S T U A R T Stewarts. So make sure you're spelling that the right way. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, that's how you can reach me on. And Twitter is really where I put most of my, um, you know, most of my education and science-based activities go on Twitter. Instagram is where I take my my pictures of nature and things like that. They go on my Instagram feed. Um, so yeah, definitely connect with me on those. And uh, my email is holly at foldscope.com. Um, so if you have any questions about, you know, any of the uh, the tools that we that we have, I mean, really the big thing is that microscope that, and I don't know if you got yeah, can to you see. Tell us, can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, yeah, that? yeah. So I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna reach around here and grab one so you can see it. And describe it very well in, in case someone is only listening to us that they can picture oh, it. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll describe it too. Yeah, so Foldscope makes a paper microscope because um, like I said, their whole mission is access to, you know, breaking down those barriers of access. And so they had, you know, they kind of noticed that the people that organized or that um, invented it, Uh, it was a professor and one of his graduate students at Stanford. Um, and the professor was uh, Menu Prakash. He's still over. He's still at Stanford. And he challenged uh, his research group, um, of which Jim Sabalski was one of them, to create a microscope that can be used without electricity, that can be taken out with you in the field. Um, that was durable, you know, because that's one of the problems. I mean, if you're doing work and doing field work and you have to analyze blood samples, you know, you can't, you have to collect everything, take it back to a lab. But this way, this is a tool that you can actually use. And this is the microscope itself. So again, it doesn't look like your traditional microscope. And so people look at this and they say to themselves, Okay, this is, is obviously, that? yeah, this is not a microscope. It doesn't look like anything and it's made, I mean, you can see it's flexible. It's made of paper, um, but 
it does give amazing high quality images. It has 140 times magnification just with the, the microscope itself. It has, um, and it's all held together by, so it's, it's paper. So you actually, you can fold it. Like you get a flat sheet of paper and you can actually, it's all perforated. So you punch it out and you fold it and you build your own microscope. Cool. Um, and then the, in the center of that little black dot right there, that's where the lens is. So it's a very tiny sphere that serves as the microscope lens. And then you put your slide in, in the back and it's, do you hear that clip? Yes. So it's magnets that hold it together. So you can take this, you can, you know, you can drop it, you can get it wet. It, it is truly made for using in the field. Um, and you can actually hook your, your phone to it. So you can take pictures of it, of whatever it is that you're looking at. If you have- Wow, that's yes. awesome. So you can take pictures, you can, if you have a sample on your slide that has, you know, from like river water or something like that, or pond water, and you're watching things, you know, swimming around, you can record video of that. So, and uh, I've posted, I've posted a lot of the things that I've found, um, you know, just recently on my Twitter feed. So if you want to go through and you want to take a look yeah. at some of those things, definitely, you know, follow me on there. And I, you know, every once in a while I'll post something new, but um, again, it is, it, you know, when you, when you think about those, those barriers, we get kind of stuck in these boxes. You know, this is what a microscope should look like. This is what a, you know, whatever, insert whatever piece of scientific equipment should look like. What I love about what Manu and Jim did was they completely flipped it. And they said, we're not gonna stick with what it should look like. We are going to imagine something that everyone can use. Wow. And this is what they created. And it is an amazing, amazing tool. I mean, I can't imagine a bunch of kids walking with that, checking new things. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, Holly, this has been such a great conversation. Anything else you would like to add for the listeners of the show? Um, I, well, I just want to, first of all, I just want to thank you for, uh, for approaching me at the, at the networking event. And, you know, just we had such a great conversation. And I just really appreciate the opportunity to come on here, especially on a podcast about wisdom and productivity. I'm like, well, I get to be on that. Okay. <laughs> I really appreciate you, um, you know, and, and your message that you're putting out there that we want to learn from others and we want to increase our productivity so that we can reach more people. Um, so I appreciate all that you're doing. And also just a big thank you to the Teach Better team for all that they're doing for educators. And, you know, of course, I got to, you know, plug my company Foldscope for all that they are doing for people all around the world, educators and students. Thank you so much, uh, Holly. I hope you have a fantastic Sunday. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye, <laughs> everyone. Thank you for listening to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Eparim Martinez. Chulu. And I love that production. Chulu out.